Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host as always, Roy Turner. We have a very, very, very special show for you. Um, We are celebrating Prince's 60th birthday. And we have so many great guests that I'm so excited to bring you. Um, We're going to be talking with a lot of people you know, throughout uh, this episode, uh, people that uh, that were close to Prince or are involved in Prince fans, and uh, first and foremost, I can't believe it that we actually have Ingrid Chavez, somebody who I've been wanting to speak with for like literally my entire adult life. So um, I couldn't be more uh, pleased and happy that Ingrid has uh, is joining us this week. We also have D'Angela Duff uh, from New York. She's uh, involved in a lot, a lot of great stuff. She's the one that recently put together uh, a fan festival called the Love Sexy Symposium because we're also going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Love Sexy and we're going to get into all that. We're going to be talking with Casey St. Ange. Uh, she's a television writer. She was on the, you know, with David Letterman and a lot of great stuff. She's got a lot of great stuff coming up, too. Uh, she attended um, the Love Sexy Symposium there in Brooklyn. We're going to be playing a lot of uh, rare music uh, from my own uh, vault. You know, you know, Prince is known and kind of famous for having, uh, um, you know, that, that vault of, of music. And I've kind of accrued quite a bit myself over the years. Uh, everybody who, who's, you know, great listeners of this show, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we're doing something very, very special this week. As you know, we aren't your typical podcast where we uh, do it all year round. We uh, we do it in seasons. And so during the summertime, we normally don't do it. But uh, but this is a very special occasion uh, for Prince's 60th and also uh, to celebrate the 30th anniversary of uh, and such an amazing album in um, Love Sexy. Uh, so we appreciate you guys tuning in, special uh, tune-in time, and all you great subscribers and, and great supporters of the show. And we're going to get into it here. I'm joined to my right here is my better half, uh, the love of my life, and uh, the per- the producer of this show, and the producer of my entire life, my girl Jocelyn. Hey, babe. Hi. Do you see? Do you feel the love here? Do you? Do you? The listeners out there, do you? Can you convey? I wanted to uh, thank everybody, as you all know that uh, that Jocelyn and I are expecting our first child next month, and uh, everybody's been uh, been writing in and 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 following us and and uh, on on social media, and our son is going to be called. Uh, his name is Miles, and he's just due in a few weeks. Jossie, how are you feeling about that? I'm very excited. I'm very ready. This last month, um, as many of you who may have been in contact or have been pregnant know, the last few weeks are kind of tough. (laughs) You're walking around with this big watermelon of a belly. (laughs) Right. You can't, like, use your ab muscles at all. And, I don't know, you have to pee every 10 minutes. (laughs) You know, it's it's exciting. (laughs) It's a little cumbersome, but exciting I, I think you couldn't be cuter and in terms of pregnancy this is everything I've ever heard about pregnancy and you know my mom had five children I have four sisters and, and they all have children this has got to be the easiest knock on wood pregnancy I've ever seen and it's a testament to who you are uh, in terms of no disrespect to anybody else but how fit and how well you eat and the life that you live and the kind of person that you are um, and I'm lucky well, I don't think you're lucky. I think it's I think it's a testament to, uh, pun intended, the miles you've put in. You're, you're about to get the miles you're about to put out. That's a good <laughs> Do one. Do you baby. see what I did there? That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we thank everybody for for asking about that and checking out Miles's uh, our, uh, Jocelyn's progress. If you want to follow along on social media, we have a hashtag called Mission to Miles. That's Mission and the number two and Miles. Um, and she's about to give birth to a king. And uh, I love this woman, and I'm so excited uh, for us to to that miles is almost here. It's been such an amazing, amazing experience. Um, just with the pregnancy and getting ready. And, uh, and that's what also feels good to you. Know, we're not 19, you know, we're, we're ready. We're ready for this. Yeah. I think <laughs> now you, or never. <laughs> I, well, I, I, but again, thank you everybody for, uh, for, uh, for following along there. So, okay. Okay. So now we're going to jump into this. Um, we have a lot to talk about and a lot to get into. I said so much great guests, so much great music. Uh, Jossie, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Well, you know, I know that, you know, you know that I'm, when, when we met, you know, what a Prince, you know, historian and fanatic. I mean, just um, those of you that go on trickykid.com, our website, have seen pictures of this office. But uh, for those who haven't that are, you know, that are listening, uh, this room would kind of tell the story of, of, of my princedom. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. You have several um, posters on the wall commemorating your fandom yes and and a lot of history here uh that one right there that i'm pointing to my right is from the 21 nights in uh in la and from 2010 and how many ticket stubs do you see on the wall there there are five in total yeah and if you count the after parties i think i went to like eight but anyway um Okay, so we're going to get into this. Like I said, we're going to be celebrating Prince's 60th birthday with lots of great guests, lots of great music. Uh, we're going to go real deep into the 30th anniversary of Love Sexy and talking about it. And, you know, Josh, like I said, I know that you were also a Prince fan uh, when we met. And what I love is that we're going to get into what, you know, your kind of experience and uh, with Prince, which I think is so great because it's also so different. And that's also why I'm so glad to um, be talking about Love Sexy because, you know, it, it, it tends to be overkill with the Purple Rain thing. And as much as I love that record, he did have 37 other albums that weren't Purple Rain. So, and I know that your experience with, with Prince is much, much um, after that. So I, I love that and I can't wait to get into that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, about Love Sexy, and you know, I was kind of telling you a little bit about the Black Album and 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 how it was, uh, you know, kind of heavily bootlegged, and it was kind of a last minute deletion, and there's this crazy, you know, uh, kind of you know, shrouded in mystery as, as a lot of Prince's history was, which makes it also so much fun and all that. Yeah. One, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. One thing I didn't I didn't include is that uh, that happened in of course in you know eighty eight in ninety six he actually allowed the black album uh, he actually allowed that one thing you like I said is that he allowed the black album to actually be released but this was in nineteen ninety six and you might remember. Um, around the time in the early 90s when Prince was writing Slave on his face and all that, and he was starting to kind of really understand the position he was in with with um, with his record company and with Warner Brothers, and and he started understanding that he didn't own, uh, you know, the master recordings and things like that. Well, he wanted to get out of this contract as quickly as possible, and so he was releasing records like crazy, like, like Rapid Fire style. And so one of the ones in order to quickly, uh, you know, you know, ex expedite that that process was that very limitedly he allowed the black 
album to be released mm-hmm. in 1996. And there's actually a copy of it right over there on the bookshelf over there. So, mm-hmm. so uh, they, it, and, it, and it's funny because it's funky and it's dark and it's crazy. Uh, and I could kind of see maybe his point. Um, I'm sure he had his own, he had his own personal reasons, but, um, but I think largely, I think that he knew what he was doing. I think that love sexy was, um, well, you know, as it says in the song, love sexy was the way. So I'm going to tell you, tell you and also our listeners a little bit about love sexy. Cause it was kind of a weird time to be a Prince fan. You know, I, I personally was 14. I was already a Prince fan. Uh, my sister, um, uh, gave me a copy of, uh, of 1999. Um, uh, the year it came out when I was about eight, but by by 88, I was 14. You know, it was like I said, I was a metal guy. I was a skater. And it might have been a little difficult to kind of tell my peers holding up this record that uh, <laughs> where, you know, he's naked on the cover. And and uh, and, it, and it, it's a very, very challenging record that it was something that I didn't come to um, really and appreciate until much, much later. And Ingrid Chavez is a big, big part of, of what made this record. And it was so neat to discover this record as an adult. You know what I mean? Or at least a little bit later. In 1988, you would have been how old? Nine? I think nine. Right. Okay. So you had no no concept of this record at the time of its release, right? No. What about later? Did you, it was Love Sexy something that, that that's, you know, something that ever, ever came across your your well, radar there? No, unfortunately. <laughs> but I hadn't heard of it actually until you started talking about it. Well, well, then I'm going to give you a bit of a bit of lesson. Like I said, I was talking about the Black Album, which again you kind of have to 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 know a little bit about, and it was you know, um, but I'm going to tell uh, you know uh, this kind of thing here was it. You have to understand it was his it was his tenth full length album. Okay, uh, it, it came out in May of 1988, um, about a year, about a year and a half after uh, after Sign of the Times. Um, and the cool thing is, is that. Of course, if you bought the album, you could skip the needle. But when the CD came out, it was it was like there were ten songs on it, but it was all on one track. Really, um, all on one track? Well, that that would mean that you would have to listen to the entire album in order, right? That's right. So oh. for me, I I really enjoy that as like an artistic statement because basically what he's saying is is that you you know like here deal with this I'm naked on the cover I'm created this forty five minute long track whether you listen to the whole thing or you're not even gonna bother right yeah that is that is fascinating and you know to to even consider that how much control and um, perhaps leeway that the record company was giving to him right. to allow that yeah. Um, cause that's unheard of. I don't, I don't think that, you know, that's been done. Has that even been done? Like that, that just seems like on a major label or, or and certainly not at that time. Yeah. Uh, the only record I can think of is many, many years later. And it was on an indie label. There's a stoner rock band called sleep right. an indie label, yeah, right? right? Not, not right. some major label. That's great. Incredible. Here's, here's an interesting contrast though, that, that, um, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it. And I wanted to get your your insight on this. Is it is it on one hand, he does this very bold statement where he's very open and he's open with his feelings. Like I said, he's literally naked on the cover. Uh, you know, when you hear the songs on the album, he's just, just sharing so much in a way he had never shared before. In a very vulnerable, but still that, that Prince confidence type kind of thing. 
but the first single is a song called Alphabet Street. And if you watch the video, there's this kind of little Easter egg thing where there's these scrolling words down the side of the screen. And it says, um, it says, don't buy the black album. I'm sorry. Now, now, this is, you know, keep in mind when he says don't buy it, you couldn't buy it. He's talking about like on the bootleg market because it didn't actually come out in 1996. But it says, don't buy the black album. I'm sorry. Well, wow. I mean, how mysterious does that get? Right. Right. right, right. <laughs> Which just kind of adds. And I don't think, you know, on purpose, because I, I think it was a sincere. I think it I think it, it just shows you just how vulnerable and just how open and just how candid that he that he was. Maybe not even like a second guessing thing. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, that is very interesting because he he does. I mean, does he not put forward such a confident persona? Um, uh, he is so, his royal badness. Yes, <laughs> yeah. so in control and yeah, just wanting to project um, artistic control and uh, to second guess like that, like you said, just it doesn't seem to be in character right or is it is he second guessing or is it just a a, it was is it just uh, a certain sincerity is the wrong word because he's always been sincere but it's just kind of more of a um a humbleness in a sense that we've never seen before that's interesting yeah yeah right so i've always i've always thought that was kind of fascinating you know that that you know that that happened um now again, talking about the Black Album, the the album was 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 written and recorded. It was hastily in response, like I said, to uh, because in in early December '87, he just suddenly decided to cancel the Black Album. Um, again, this has been overly documented, so I won't go. You know, everybody knows about it. I know that maybe you don't, but uh, but like I said, I can we can do that on our own time. But and I've told you a little bit about how um, you know some copies got out, and 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 he he ordered all of them to be destroyed, and it became this heavily bootleg thing, and. And um, I had a bootleg of it actually before I actually bought the actual copy in '96, and um, and uh, you know, I guess he just thought it was like too dark or something, you know. Um, now he only kept one of the tracks from it. There's a song called "When Two Are in Love" that's on the Black Album, and it's the only one that made it onto "Love Sexy," uh, and that's a cool record too. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, 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 very cool song. Um, but the, the remaining eight tracks, if you can believe it, were recorded just in the following two months. Uh, and like uh, the, the opener, I know dance on positivity. They were all recorded in, in mid December, like later that year. Um, there's something of interesting of that, whatever he recorded in mid December, a, a song called love sexy, but he had kind of spelled it differently instead of L O V E it was L U V. It's kind of like an earlier version. Uh, it has the same hook line, but it's, but it's faster. Uh, it's in a different key um, and has a, and the lyrics are like totally different. Uh, it wasn't used for the album, but he borrowed parts of it um, that was done later, you know, uh, now January of 88. We talked about Alphabet Street, the video I mentioned. Uh, it was recorded at the end of, de- of December. Glam Slam, Anastasia, which we're going to go real, real deep into with uh, here in a little bit with Ingrid. Uh, they were both recorded at somewhere around this, that same December. Um he also has a song called Same December, so that's not what I meant. Uh, and then, of course, I Wish You Heaven came in January, and that was actually the final track. Now, Sheila E., now you know who Sheila E. is, of course. Yeah. She's on drums for, for most of the tracks, but most of it was recorded by him. It was largely recorded all by him. Like he All did. on the different instruments. Right. Okay. Well, you might famously know the thing where it says, produced, arranged, and performed by Prince. 
yeah. on all the credits. And a lot of people don't know, even though he hasn't, he's such a, always had such an incredible live band. And, you know, we saw the revolution on New Year's Eve last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but, uh, he basically did almost all of it. Um, uh, there are, you know, his his live band appears on, you know, here and there, but uh, it also, obviously, it introduces the world to the amazing Ingrid Chavez, which, again, I'm and I just, I'm so excited to bring you guys Ingrid this week. Cat um, Glover, it marks her and uh, and Bonnie Boyer's first appearance on a, on a Prince record. Um, now, uh, the first sequence of the album uh, was had been done by January. The exact sequence... Uh, might have changed a little bit, but he, I, at the very least, I knew he had like the first like four songs, kind of like 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 he, back then you did things in sides, like side A, side B. That's kind of a different world now, but that's kind of how things were made back then. Um, the other songs on there, of course, I said, said "Dance On," "When Two Are in Love," um, and uh, "In Positivity." I said at this stage it included Cat's rapping of of J.M. Silk's "Music Is the Key." Um, which previously incorporated into into Cindy C, which was also from the Black Album. He has a song about, kind of about Cindy Crawford, where he says, "Hey Cindy C, where'd you get that beauty mark?" You know, yeah. Cindy Crawford for all you millennials was a kind of like this hot shit model from the 1980s. Um, House of Style, come on. Um, and then, uh, what's interesting about that, whatever, is that a version of the album was compiled and printed uh, around January. Um, and you know it, it had been kind of kind of shortened a little bit. Uh, there was some outtakes from it. I'm going to be actually be playing some of that here in a little bit, and that's actually probably one of the ones we're going to start with here. Um, but the funny thing is, is that he after he did positivity, it's still with the music is the key rap included. Then he does, I Wish You Heaven, uh, was yet to be recorded um, and not quite there yet. But but uh, but two days after he had made that version, um, he just cut Love Sexy from scratch. Like, literally from scratch. Like, the song Love Sexy was just, Nyeh. I'll pull this out of thin air. <laughs> well, he's a talented guy. So, yeah, so then, like, he scrambles and, like, oh, I need to do this. And he just pulls Love Sexy, the song, like, just from scratch. So are you saying that he just, out of thin air, just writes a song, arranges it, and records it? And it's that song, yes. That like, song that you played for me, that's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. That's the magician. I, I mean, that's 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 pulling uh, a miracle out of, at literally, it's like sunlight out of thin air. Yeah, <laughs> magical. And that's his magic. Um now, in terms of promotion, the album uh, actually produced three pretty commercially, you know, uh, uh, okay singles. Of course, we talked about Alphabet Street, uh, Glam Slam, and one of my favorite songs on the record is called I Wish You Heaven. Um, he supported the album with a major European, North American, and Japanese tour. It was called the Love Sexy Tour. Um, it focuses largely on that actual record instead of like, you know, like doing just like two two of the singles and maybe but it also included a, a lot of like back stuff a lot of kind of rare stuff um oddly even though he i guess didn't like the black album he pl- actually plays the probably the darkest track not on the album but the darkest track on his entire career a song called bob george and uh 
And, you know, it actually was a, uh, a movie uh, that recorded that tour. You're going to hear uh, D'Angelo Duff talking about during the Love Sexy Symposium when they actually did a screening of it. I'm going to let her tell how magical that was. It was never that was never released commercially. It was something that I didn't see until much, much, much later. Uh, the tour did come to Dallas. I did not see it. Uh, and and like I said, I had I had been to a couple of concerts at that point. I'd seen um, David Lee Roth from Van Halen. I'd seen Motley on Fourth of July, um, but uh, it was not to be. Um, I didn't even know about it. I was still I said only fourteen and um, pre-internet uh, for you millennials. Uh, there was a time that the internet didn't exist. Um, I sound so old, don't I? <laughs> I sound so like such a, such a cranky curmudgeon here. Uh, but no. Uh, anyway, uh, the album actually reached number 11 on the U.S. Billboard uh, Top Pop Albums chart, number five on the Billboard Top Black Albums chart. It actually did a whole lot better uh, in Europe. It reached number one in the U.K., Netherlands, Switzerland, Sweden. Uh, the album uh, also did very well in New Zealand. Uh, it, it also reached number one there. And uh, so it did really, really, really great. One of the first songs that I'm actually going to, we're going to play uh, is actually a song. Um, is a song Cross the Line. Um, I'm going to talk about it here in, uh, in just one second. Uh, before we get to that, uh, I wanted to say a couple of things real fast. First of all, I want to thank all of our sponsors um, that keep this show rolling. We're so grateful to uh, Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, we also Loot Crate. Um, all the 365 brand from Whole Foods and all of our great subscribers out there. If you're not a subscriber, uh, it's the best way to get the show. Uh, you can just go to iTunes, type in Tricky Kid Radio. It'll come right on up. Click subscribe. If you like what you hear, I would love for you to leave a review. Uh, it really helps us. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a, a comment. You, you don't realize just how much that helps. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe like, oh, that doesn't really work in, in other uh, formats. In this format, it is crucial. So I right, was well, so grateful for that. Um, again, thank you again to all of our loyal listeners who are subscribers, uh, who listen each and every week, uh, who write in, tell us what and tell us what we, uh, you guys want to hear. Again, following along with Miles and mine and Jocelyn's uh, journey to parenthood. I, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Tricky Kid and the number two. That's Tricky Kid and the number two. We're also on Facebook uh, at Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. And my alter ego, uh, obviously, you know, you guys know that I'm a DJ, is DJ Tricky Kid. And thanks to Jocelyn, which which social media format that I was a long holdout, which one am I on now? You are now on Instagram. As? Tr- DJ Tricky Kid. Exactly. And where can they find you? Um, if you would like, you may find me also on Instagram. And uh, it's J-O-C-E-I-6, number six. Got it. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Okay. and But the one thing I wanted to say also, and is, and you'll see a, a kind of, a, and I'll, I'll mention a couple of things, is um, while we're celebrating the, the life and legacy of Prince and celebrating what would have been his 60th birthday, uh, and again, the Love Sexy 30th anniversary, uh, we also lost uh, a couple of people um, else just very recently in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to be doing uh, special episodes. That I, so this is a good time to subscribe. We're going to be bringing you a, a uh, we're going to kind of extend this kind of summer, uh, bringing you Tricky Kid Radio during the summertime uh, kind of thing. Because um, they both deserve it. Um, globally, locally, uh, both of these people meant a lot to me. Um, we just lost uh, Vinnie Paul from Pantera. And whereas I um, 
I, I, I knew his brother, Daryl, uh, Dimebag Daryl, to the rest of the world, of course. And, and of course, you guys all know that, unfortunately, Daryl was tragically taken from us in 2004. And it was just so unexpected. And, you know, and, and Jesse, you know, you, you know this. I mean, you've grown up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and you're not a metal person at all. But you know who Pantera is. You know who Vinnie Paul is. Yes, I do. Of course. And Vinny and I, I didn't really know him as much as I knew his, his brother, but I knew him enough to, to, you know, when I saw him at shows and, you know, and I've been invited back to the house a couple of times. I've ridden in the uh, the famous Vinnie Paul limo uh, and I had a quick little Prince anecdote. Uh, it's very small and I'll tell this in much greater greater length because um, we're going to do a full Vinnie Paul Pantera episode with lots and lots of great guests. You really want to tune in for that one. But uh, Vinnie knew me enough to know that, I, uh, that I'm, a, I'm a Prince guy, of course. And the last time I was in Vegas, uh, I was at a Steel Panther concert, you know, that, the, that band that you love to hear me sing around the house <laughs> all the time. And I went as my alter ego, uh, Def Halen, you know, the one where I did the wrestling thing where I wear the long blonde <laughs> wig. And, and again, I'm going to I'm going to tell this story way more at length on the Pantera episode. But anyway, uh, Vinny has had a house out in Vegas. He's from Dallas, Fort Worth, of course. And, you know, grew, uh, you know, he would you would see those guys everywhere. They weren't like rock stars. You would see them in the bank. I, I, I forget that the rest of the world doesn't know that or and how much, you know, they're just those local dudes, you know, but. Anyway, um, I got invited back to back to to, to Vinny's uh, place after they kind of took the party back to his place, and he had like how Elvis you probably have heard has like a different room has a different color. Oh, okay, yeah, right? I've heard of that. Uh-huh. Well, Vinny, I guess, was trying to do that with his own house, and uh-huh. he had like the jungle room or whatever, or, nice. like the blue room was like I don't know, and but he had one room that was purple, and he called that the prince room ah. and so uh you know and i'm not as you know like uh, uh you know a big drinker and everything else but it was you know it was late and and uh trying to you know get you know cab uber whatever thing and you know and and at that time i don't think they had uber in vegas this was um i guess maybe i don't know i don't know if they, i don't know if they even still have uber in vegas but anyway i ended up staying at Vinny's house and uh in the prince room that he called uh the you know because it was purple so that was uh that was kind of a cool thing and so please tune in for that that's going to be great um unfortunately the other one of course is is anthony bourdain uh, which is god that's you know it's hard to believe that that uh what's 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 transpired in the last few weeks and all the great great friends and people that we've lost and and i didn't know uh anthony bourdain but i have a lot of friends that did and and they're going to be joining us for a, um you know he was a, such a great inspiration to me and the rest of the world and and i wanted to give you a quote that i love that he had said you know um, how long ago was the royal wedding um, I feel like it was about four weeks ago, maybe more. Okay. Maybe a little bit longer, but yeah. uh, you know how, uh, talk about being a curmudgeon, you know, uh, I love how Anthony Bourdain was one of those kind of cynics that you can kind of enjoy. I, I, I tend to not like cynical people, but he was somebody who the honesty was just undeniable and awesome all the time. And I don't, I want to paraphrase here, but he said something like, I remember during the Royal wedding, he goes, I know I'm a crank, he said, but uh, he goes, but the only, you know, in this concept of royals, he goes, the only person I was, I've ever been comfortable uh, calling Prince uh, came from Minnesota. Nice. <laughs> uh, so I always thought that was, I thought that was really cool. 
and uh, and uh, I I, I kind of you know chatted him up on um, on Twitter about it. You know, so we're gonna do a whole episode uh, separate, even from the Vinnie Paul one, just just about Anthony and and bring his some of his friends on, and that, that that I'm also friends with, and we're gonna play some of his favorite songs and tell some great stories. And again, it's not gonna be a downer, you know, just like this one. We're gonna be celebrating life and 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 positivity and 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 all all the great gifts that uh, that that Tony uh, shared with all of us. So so tune in for that. So anyway, so without uh, any further ado, I'm gonna bring you an unreleased track from love sexy this is a song called cross the line it began as a song called the line and then it became cross the line and it's actually a song by ingrid chavez so it's very 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 appropriate to what we're doing here um it was recorded with a kind of this improvised kind of musical backing uh, uh by prince uh, also um around december of 87 uh there at paisley park uh, and it's got this really cool, like reverse synth organ. Um, and then, you know, it had Ingrid's, uh, uh, spoken part. Her vocals were later lifted and, and, and actually incorporated into the intermission of that love sexy tour that we were, uh, talking about. But, um, it also has, uh, Bonnie Boyer's, uh, has a, a great, uh, uh, scream on there and, um, uh, a great vocal from Bonnie Boyer, and even you got Sheila E on on uh, on drums. Uh, Eric leads on you know on sax. Uh, it's a great, great, great track. And again, it's it was uh, was never released. So if you haven't heard it, uh, now's your chance. So again, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Love Sexy. Um, this is uh, this is if you can call it the line or cross the line. And we'll be right back with D'Angela Duff uh, on the Love Sexy Symposium. Thank you. 
Folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey, everybody. This is actor and musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. I could see why, you know, it doesn't really fit with the album and why he left it off, you know. But that's a cool track. I really like it. It's a fun track, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, it's it's something that, that deserves to be heard. Um, and I'm glad, that I'm so happy to be able to bring it uh, to you guys this week. Uh, yeah, I don't think it really fits within the context, even though... Um, uh, I mean, it, it. You can tell Ingrid Chavez's is, uh, is is influence there, which is the spirit of the record. Um, but I think it, it it definitely would be something that you know well suited for some other project. I wish there were, you know, eight other songs in that same vein that you know another record he wrote with her or something. But uh, but what a cool cool. Um, 
uh, track there, and uh, it's always been one of my favorites of, uh, of some of the unreleased stuff, which uh, just shows you just how he was just firing on, on so many cylinders um, at that time. So now, and you know, you also heard there at the end the ideas, uh, the cast of Clerks, and uh, um, the, the movie, of course, was made by, by Kevin Smith. Do you, do you know who Kevin Smith is? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Kevin will be glad, <laughs> will be happy to hear that. Uh, anyway, uh, some Prince fans might know this story, um, and I'm not going to go too into it. But uh, um, uh, you know, you know, of course, Kevin Smith is like this like stoner from New Jersey who made these like stoner films in the '90s, and then in, in around '98 he made this this really kind of intense kind of religious film based upon or you know informed from his Catholic upbringing called Dogma. Uh, Prince used to after the shows he's a big he's a big moviegoer he would love to like go to movies on the days off or he'd have them you know open up the uh, the theater for him and stuff and and apparently he saw Dogma and loved it so much that he didn't realize that again that Kevin Smith isn't this religiously celestially informed Stanley Kubrick genius that he's just this kind of you know average dude from Jersey that he uh, hired him uh, Prince um, does this this thing every single year called the celebration which continues to, to exist to this day it's like a fan celebration there at Paisley Park and he like hired Kevin Smith uh, to come and uh, and shoot it uh, based, just based upon the merit of of dogma. Um, apparently, the experience, as Kevin Smith tells it on his side, uh, was quite uh, interesting. But I'll let I'll, I'll let you again. I you know I I would imagine there's probably two sides to the story there. If you want to hear Kevin's side, check out an evening with Kevin Smith. Uh, it came out years and years ago. I think it like God, like 15, 16 years ago. But anyway, check that out. Uh, so that's the kind of the bit of a connection there. But we were happy to have the cast of Clerks on this program, which you can uh, check out in our archives. All right. So I am so excited to bring you uh, D'Angela Duff. And here's what's cool is that D'Angela Duff, um, and you'll hear her say that she was actually at the celebration this year. Uh, and this is where she met a few people uh, and that uh, and she was already was inspired. And, and I think she'd done one of these before. Uh, but she put together this amazing uh, fan festival with some special guests called the Love Sexy Symposium. There were a lot of things uh, to celebrate the 60th birthday. I'm really glad that we decided to wait, Jossie, like about you know a few weeks after the fact, because I, I don't think there's such a thing as Prince fatigue, uh, but I certainly didn't want to have to get in the middle of all that. And, 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 and when I say all that, I mean I love all that. I just mean like I kind of wanted to be able to enjoy it as a fan. Um, and then... Uh, you know, kind of get a perspective and, and kind of do something that people could kind of enjoy separate and a little bit later. And uh, and since I wasn't actually able to attend the Love Sexy Symposium, and for those that couldn't attend, I thought it'd be a kind of a cool thing to kind of bring some of the people that put it together and that were there and um, and kind of uh, kind of get also their kind of perspective. You know, kind of a few weeks removed from it. You know what I mean? I think that's a good idea, and I, I certainly understand your perspective on that. And thank you, sweetie. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, and so, you know, one thing that, uh, but there was a lot of ambitious stuff. Uh, there's a guy named Joel King. Um, he 
um, is a Minnesota uh, resident. Uh, he actually served as a camera operator on uh, probably one of my favorite Prince projects. I know it kind of took a bit of a beating, and we'll talk about this uh, later on in the show. And if uh, and, and also if you look at our archives, we did four episodes. Um, all spanning across the different decades uh, of Prince, but he was a camera operator on Graffiti Bridge, uh, several music videos, and he organized this great event. Uh, we were hoping to speak with Joel. Uh, we did briefly, but uh, but timing didn't quite uh, happen. There was there were a few uh, wish lists we had here that uh, that people were we were kind of wanting that weren't able to do it based upon scheduling and stuff. Of course, one was Questlove, Amir Questlove Thompson from the Roots, who was a, a Prince historian. Uh, Andrea Swinson, who was a, a major uh, part of uh, the Minnesota music scene. She just recently wrote a book. Uh, but we were hoping to have Joel on it. And he kind of organized this this awesome thing. It's It featured like bus tours of like Purple Rain locations. Uh, they screening the film. Uh, there was a bunch of local musicians. Um, and it's actually out in uh, in uh, in Henderson, Minnesota. Um, it's kind of out there. There's a thing called Purple Rain Road. There's like a, this stone uh, bench. It's kind of dedicated to Prince out there. And uh, it actually started on his birthday on June 7th, which of course would have been his 60th birthday. Uh, lots of special guests. Um, you know, and then what was cool was the donations from it was kind of going towards the painting of this mural uh, that they were kind of working towards and stuff. But uh, but D'Angela, uh, like I said, she put together this thing called the Love Sexy Symposium. Uh, and like I said, Ingrid was there. Dr. Fink was there. Kat Glover was there. And I'm going to let her tell it. So let's go ahead and get D'Angela Duff um on checks it. She's there in New York. She's involved with NYU, OK Player, um, Paula Solid. She's involved with a lot, a lot of great stuff. We'll have all these links uh, for D'Angela and she'll be listening to them too. But uh, let's go ahead and get her on the program. The media is NYU tandem. She's also the co host of the Prince Podcast on Grown Folks News.com. D'Angela, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. So this was a, a pretty amazing feat that uh, you were undertaking, I should say, um, to do. Tell me, first and foremost, was the reason to do the Love Sexy, was it because of the 30th anniversary? Was it a personal favorite album of yours? How did that all of that come about? Well, actually, it started last year, and um, I wanted to literally watch Sign of Times because um, with some friends, because it had been 30 years. And a friend of mine, her name is Mabel Ivory, she was like, why do you want to do that? She was like, we can make a huge event out of it. So I basically did a Sign of Times panel last year um, with Anil Dash um, and some others, as well as a screening for the public. So it actually started last year with the Sign of Times panel. And we got such good reception. Um, actually, the week after that panel, I went to a Steve Park book signing. Steve Park just had released a book of photography about Prince, and a lot of people had come to the panel, and they kept asking me, when's the next one, when's the next one? So, awesome. I, um, yeah, I really wanted to do another one, and Love Sexy is actually one of my favorite albums. The reason why I really wanted to do Sign of Times as well as Love Sexy is because those two albums don't get talked about enough. Everybody wants to talk about Purple Rain, and obviously Purple Rain is is amazing, 
but also Sign Times is amazing, and Love Sexy was also amazing, and not only was the album amazing, but the tour was pretty phenomenal as well. So I thought it would be great to sort of shift the narrative a little bit from Purple Rain to Love Sexy. And um, Love Sexy, I I was um, fortunate to see that tour two nights in a row in Atlanta, and um, it was by far, you know, one of the best concert-going experiences I've ever had in my life. And um, a lot of people have not seen that tour, so we were also able to screen the concert um, because there was a laser disc that was released in Germany. Um, you know, back then, and so right, a lot of right. people in the audience, you know, were just like kind of amazed at how amazing that particular tour was. And actually, Dr. Fink was sitting right behind me, so I was hearing him narrate <laughs> the concert, which oh, was wow. a pretty phenomenal experience. And well, then yeah. Kat, yeah, and then Kat was in the back, and so the people that were around her, they were hearing her narrate it. So, you know, depending on where you were in the auditorium, you got different commentary from the people who were actually there, which was pretty phenomenal. Well, and, yeah, I mean, um, that, 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 that's, un, that's unbelievable. That, that's yeah. what I want to congratulate you on or also applaud you for was because I, you're a Prince fan. Obviously, we're Prince fans. We also love Purple Rain, but, but my man had 37 other albums that were <laughs> yeah. not Purple Rain. And, uh, and personally, for me um, – I uh, I'm I'm kind of a parade under the cherry moon guy. And I oh, that that I love one. under the cherry moon. That's I actually spoke last year at the first Prince conference in Manchester, England, and my topic was Prince as his most authentic self in Under the Cherry Moon. So Under the Cherry Moon is my favorite Prince film. See, that's that's that, that's mine too. So I know, I know that you and I were going to get along real well. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for the sake of, of the fact has been a very under, um, I guess, uh, under-explained. It, it's, as much as how Purple Rain has been over-explained, it's, it's, it's remarkable how under-explained this era was. And I think a lot of it has to do also with, uh, it seems almost transitional in the sense that Love Sexy also almost kind of seems like it's, it's very transitional and it's, and it's new, but it's also it seems to be kind of the last of that classic thing he had going. This is kind of a weird time to be a Prince fan. Talk about that for a little bit. Well, it wasn't really a weird time to be a Prince fan for me, but I know a lot of, particularly my male Prince fans, friends, my male Prince friends, for them, it was a weird time for them, particularly because of that cover, um, the, right. you know, the cover <laughs> of Love Sexy and having to sort of explain that. And then also a lot of my male um, Prince friends were also into hip-hop at the time, and so they were having to sort of explain Prince to all of their hip-hop friends. And so that was – it was hard for them, but it wasn't hard for me because um, I was delighted after Purple Rain that Prince released around the role in the day because I thought it was, you know, very experimental. He could have – sort of rode that commercial wave and he chose not to and then right. he follows around the world in the day up with Parade which was even more you know sort of left field and just sheer genius in my opinion and then he followed that up with Sign Times and then he followed that up with I, for me it, it wasn't a weird time it was just Prince being Prince because um, if you've been with Prince and I have been with Prince since Controversy um, as a 10-year-old, you kind of know that every single album is a whole different thing. And, you know, you get, you know, um, 
I mean, it's just like a whole movement almost. Each album is a movement. So I was sort of used to things changing. Um, and I think that a lot of people who were sort of new to Prince, particularly with Purple Rain, and they did not know, you know, who Prince was in terms of what was, you know, what mattered to him. They were, I think they were expecting him to be Purple Rain, Mr. Purple Rain for the rest right. of his career. And if you right. knew Prince, you knew that that wasn't going to happen. Well, I think um, it's also, so, I think it's also fair to say this though, because I mean, I'm, I'm like you, like, like when Purple Rain, I mean, sorry, when Love Sexy came out, I, I was 14. And, um, excuse me, one second. <clears throat> I was 14, uh, when Love Sexy came out, and I'd been there pretty much, even though I was a young person, since 1999. But I still, still think that for the, you know, maybe not for people like you and I, but for the public at large that were casual fans, again, mm-hmm. here was this, you know, very striking kind of uh, unique album cover of, and then for some people, which I know that you and I probably like this aspect of it, but the the idea that it was all you know the CD was the just one, one track, the yeah. one track. Mm-hmm. So I could I could definitely conceive for a casual people that you know <laughs> that this would be a bit challenging because it really wasn't for for casual fans. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I think. The at the time when it was released, it was uh, it was kind of different that it was one track. But in retrospect, I, I think it's actually pretty brilliant in today's term terms because like we're sort of losing the album, like the idea of the album, and it's all about singles and songs nowadays. And I think that was one of the strongest statements that you can make about an album being an album, having it all be one track and having to listen to it in its totality. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things that, you know, Prince said, um, you know, before he passed is that albums matter and they do matter. And um, I think Love Sexy is a testament to that. And it's very cohesive and um, it's, I don't know, it's an amazing musical experience to, to listen to. And I just, I, I think it's just really important that that particular album and what he was trying to communicate in terms of it being one track and, you know, having it be a whole experience, like a, not just a collection of songs. How were you able to, 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 to get Ingrid to come to the symposium? Well, I mean, I, I'll start with your last question first. I went okay. to the celebration this year um, in April in Minneapolis. Okay. Um, at Paisley Park, and so Michael Dean, who does a Prince podcast, he had a meet and greet, and at that meet and greet, Ingrid was there, and um, I went up to her and told her, you know, I was, I'm going to be doing this Love Sex Symposium, and she said, well, you know, I was there during that time. I was like, yes, I'm very aware of that. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so she, and, and I was like, well, if you want to, I would love to have you come speak, and she said, she goes, Kat was the first person who actually agreed to do it, and then from there she told Dr. Fink, and then I was able to also meet Dr. Fink in person during the celebration as well. Um, and so he was just a joy to work with, and um, so that's kind of how it happened. Um, there were some other people who wanted <laughs> Actually, the highlight for me, I kid you not, was the audience who stayed for the screening. 
of the Love Sexy concert footage. You would have to be there to understand. It was like we were at an actual Prince concert. Everyone was so engaged. Everyone was singing. I mean, everyone had a blast. And um, like I said, because I was here in Dr. Fink, it made it even extra special. And then I know some people who attended also told me it was incredible to hear Kat sort of, you know, come, you know, narrate right. and do right. comments. And then some people were sitting by Ingrid because Ingrid also stayed. So it was just like really incredible um, that particular night. So that well, was actually the highlight for me personally. Well, God, that must have been like a like Percy tour, and and you said you went to both nights in Atlanta. Yes, yes, I did. Now, again, here's where I think that you see such a such a, a unique transition here, because in order to understand Love Sexy, you have to have some type of of, of at least a, a fleeting knowledge of the Black Album and why mm-hmm. he decided not to go with that and instead issue Love Sexy, which was was so interesting, however, was that he actually then uh, did songs from the Black Album on that tour. Why do, why do, yes. you, think, why do you think that, that, that happened? Well, I, well, before I answer that question, the Black Album um, songs live are my favorite songs on yeah. the tour, uh, particularly Bob George. Of um, I, I think it's because... Um, Number one, it's it's a it's a, one of the funkiest albums ever. Yes, hands down. Yeah. And uh, I I think the songs are so compelling. And um, there's this um, after show, and he's playing uh, just the guitar riff, the super funky Califragilistici, and he just goes on and on and on and on and on, and it's just so funky. He's not singing; he's just playing. And it's like one of my favorite things ever, and it's because um, I don't know. I just I, I I often tell my Prince friends like when he passed, I didn't listen to any music for uh, probably about six months, and then yeah. when I did start listening, uh, the first album I listened to was Controversy, and um, and because actually I forgot, I I think I said something wrong. My first Prince album was actually Dirty Mind, as um. I, I listened to Dirty Mind as a 10-year-old, but I realized that my favorite Prince album is Controversy, Once He Passed. I, if you would have asked me before he passed what my favorite album was, I would have told you it depends on the day. Um, right. But <laughs> right. I got really clear, though, Once He Passed. But then I was shocked at myself because the second album, my number two album, is the Black Album. Because those two albums are the albums I played the most once I started listening again. And I was actually right. kind of shocked. Um, like why the Black Album? Because you know, there's a Sign of Times, there's 1999. I mean, there's Around the World Day, there's Parade. I mean, there's like so many amazing albums. You know, like why the Black Album? And for me, I think it's because even though Princess is dark, um, you know, I I feel like it's one of the most fun. Like you can just, I think he had a blast recording that album. Right. And I hear so much joy. Um, in that particular album. So I think that's the reason why those songs sort of persistent in the the live, but also he had that narrative that he was trying to convey in terms of the dark versus the light. So, you know, obviously the Black Album songs are supposed to be dark in terms of, you know, in terms of Prince and his themes. Um, And they were when when you talk about the actual lyrics. 
but when you listen to the actual music, so the first panel of the day was the Love, Sexy, Spirituality panel, and it was also subtitled The Black Album because you can't really talk about Love, Sexy, Spirituality without also addressing the Black Album. So exactly. within that Love, Sexy, Spirituality panel, there were four talks, and the Stephen Fullwood talk that you just cited was one of four talks. Um, So um, some of the other speakers, like Erica Thompson, who actually is writing a book on um, Princess Spirituality, she um, talked a lot about, you know, that thread of spirituality through all of Princess's work, but specifically um, how pronounced it became with Love Sexy. And then with Stephen's talk, he basically talked more about um, you know, the black albums, sort of the how Love Sexy couldn't exist without the black album. Right, for sure. And yeah, and then um Arun Sadana, he followed up with a talk about Princess Dark's precursor and talked about specifically what what it means what what blackness is versus um lightness in terms of spirituality and, and in terms of, you know, um evil and all that kind of thing. And then the final talk on that panel was by Fredera Hatley, and it was the Gospel According to Prince, the Liberation Theology of the Sacred Profane. And she, I really enjoyed her talk because she um, talked about how Prince was essentially sort of carrying on the, you know, the gospel tradition through Love Sexy. And, and I had never really heard someone speak about love sexy in that regard um sure. so yeah it was I, I really really enjoyed her talk and her talk was the only talk that didn't have any av um accompanying it but she's such a dynamic speaker that she was just as engaging as anybody else without you know any media to support it because she that talk was actually pretty awesome so she ended follow prince and you've read a lot about prince and who and who he's who he was as a man or as a creator is that he changed his mind a lot. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, and he had lots of, you know, album projects out, like complete albums that he has recorded. The Black Album is not the only album where he recorded it and didn't want to put it out. Oh, so, yeah, right. I explained it a lot to people too as well that this was, they think that this is like an isolated incident, but it, it happened. I saw the tour. Um, so I was 17 when the album came out because um, my birthday is in November. Well, yeah, so, I was confessing the album actually did not come out. So I was going to say was that when you saw that concert in Atlanta. Oh, you mean the the, the black album? Right, right. Um, when when, I don't when you saw that tour, did, did yeah. you know what the did you know what these songs were? Had you already had heard them, or wasn't it was it not until the '96 limited release when oh, you actually no. first heard them? No. I actually heard them way before the official release. I mean, I got the the bootleg on vinyl. Um, Ooh, nice. I had, yeah, I have. I had already started collecting all of, um, you know, like the live shows on cassette back then. Before the internet, we used to um, mail cassettes to one another, and yep. you would I'm print a out part your of that list. Too. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know the drill. So you printed out what you had. You mail right. this to someone, they mail you what they had, and then you just basically trade it cassettes. Right. Um, but in terms of the actual Black album, um, I'm a huge record collector, and I was living in Atlanta at the time. And I think I bought that bootleg from Fantasyland in Atlanta, which is a record store that still exists, actually. 
And um, at the time, I used to go to Fantasyland and Wax and Facts, which also still exists in Little yeah. Five Points in Atlanta. Um, so I would just sort of – also at that time, there were a lot of uh, record store conventions at hotels where a lot of different record um, stores would come together under one roof. And then that's, that, was, that was usually bootleg heaven. Um, so hear more and learn more about Love Sexy and you and – and all your uh, uh, Prince uh, happenings. Oh, awesome. So um, I can be found on social media with um, the name Polish Solid, and I have to spell it. So it's like you polish your nails, so P-O-L-I-S-H-E-D, so the past tense, and Solid, S-O-L-I-D. So that's my Twitter handle. That's me on Facebook. And then the symposium website is lovesexy.polishsolid.com. And you can find the video of the opening keynote as well as some of the panels. I will eventually get all of the video up. I currently have someone editing it for me. And then as far as the podcast, you can find them also at dj.polishsolid.com as well as grownfolksmusic.com. Um, so that's where you can find all of the, um, you know, Prince-related podcast as well as video from the panel and also uh, we have video footage from the panel from the sign of times as well so outstanding that all there yeah awesome uh D'Angelo, thank you so much for joining us again i'm so uh, uh proud of the work that you did i'm what an amazing event i again i wish i could have been there in person but i've been enjoying the videos and i, I look forward to seeing more and uh and again I, I applaud you for continuing this uh and spreading this this word of this un- incomparable legacy of Prince. Yes, cuz next year I really want to do a Batman symposium because I think um the new tour is pretty important as well as the Batman soundtrack. So for if sure. all goes well, I'm going to do that next year. Well, if you need any help putting it together, you let me know and I'll tell you now that I know about it. You, you know, if it happens, I will definitely will be there. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, D'Angelo, again, thank you again so much for joining us, and we should do a follow-up, and I'd love to have you back on soon sometime. I'd love to. Oh, what's up? This is the infamous serial wax killer, Beastie Boys DJ Assassin, Mix Master Mike, and you're tuned in to my man DJ Tricky Kid. Don't be a clown. Don't sleep. Check it out, y'all. And I really wish we could have gone. That would have been so cool to, to go to that and, and listen to all the insight yeah i mean gosh you know and what's what's actually pretty cool is that they actually um the um yeah the uh uh the nyu uh Tannen school of engineering actually has a great youtube page uh where you actually can see uh, a lot of the footage um from it and 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 i mean it's just so awesome you can see the panels and the talks and and see something that um I want I'm gonna let Ingrid talk about here in a second, but uh, it was such a great event. Yeah, and and for D'Angela to put that on, what a cool person! Oh man, she is so amazing. I can't I can't say enough good things about D'Angela, and everybody that I spoke to had the exact same thing. Like, what an amazing person! She's just a, a, a true spirit, a true fan, um, and just she gets it done, man. And again, D'Angela, I, I'm so. Uh, pleased that she was able to join us and uh, and and, uh, and be part of it this week. I have to give a shout out though. There's two great great listeners uh, of the show. Uh, 
total special awesome shout out to uh, Julie McNamara. She's in the UK. Um, such a great loyal listener um, and a great. She's become a great friend to us, a great friend of the show. Uh, and then Gail George, who is uh, on the East Coast here in America. And what's so cool is that they became friends uh, through kind of like listenership, and then they met in person and now they're great friends and have even collaborated on some projects which we are actually going to bring uh to you this very episode so make sure you stick around to the end because we got a very very special um presentation that i want to uh for you guys to enjoy it just goes to show you if you are a listener i mean again this is a show by the fans for the fans I'm a fan first, man, you know, and so uh, I reward that kind of uh, of, of loyalty and listenership, and, and, and I'm so grateful to uh, to Gail and Julie. And the reason why I mention them is because I wouldn't have actually known anything about the Love Sexy Symposium if it hadn't have been for them. Uh, Gail was actually there in person. Uh, Julie, of course, being in the UK, it made it a little bit difficult for her to attend. But uh, uh, And Gail is a fan from the word go. She has like a Love Sexy tattoo on her arm, which you, you can, can see on our website at trickykid.com uh, under this episode. So... Um, we, I mentioned a while ago about uh, Questlove. We were, you know, um, we were trying to, you know, schedule to get him on the show, and there was some scheduling issues there. But he actually has something coming up that the Prince Estate recently partnered uh, with him for an orchestral tour coming this fall called "For You: A Symphonic Celebration of Prince." Now. Jossie, for those that don't know, is a professional violinist. And last year, you were invited to play with Questlove and The Roots. And what happened? Um, I had to turn it down, unfortunately. I have... How do you... Maybe, maybe that's why Questlove didn't return our call. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I have a contract with a, a great symphony, a local symphony here in Dallas, the Las Colinas Symphony, and I had to fulfill the contract, and, you know, with pleasure, uh, it's a great symphony that I play for, so I had to miss that one. So how cool of it, though, for Questlove to ask you to play? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh, you know, and Erica, uh, you know, our friend Erica Badu, and uh, was so many great, uh, um, great artists that were there, and it's awesome. So, uh, so when this comes this time, are you, you know, when when Questlove, because it's because it would be through the same channels and the Dallas Pops and all that. Mm -hmm. So when Questlove comes a call in this time, and this time it's about Prince, and you know, I saw that like the poster and the promotional stuff has a poster of what? Okay, Jossie, what is my favorite Prince record? Under the Cherry Moon. Right, or Parade Under the Cherry Moon, right. And so that kind of gives me a bit of a hankering <laughs> that he might be doing some stuff, and he's, of course, a, a Prince historian. So let me ask you, if Questlove, my man Amir, comes a-calling this time, what's the answer going to be this time? Oh, I would love to. I mean, that would be the greatest honor, and what a fun show that would be. I would, I would love to get asked to do that. Well, to see you up there playing 
Prince songs with Questlove, I would be such a, a completion of my entire life was what that would be. Uh, so look for it. Again, it's called For You, A Symphonic Celebration of Prince. If you happen to go to the Dallas show, actually it's going to be held in Irving at the Toyota Music Factory this fall. Look for my girl Jocelyn, the super cute uh, Asian gal on that's kicking so much ass on the violin there. <laughs> Uh, so now, okay, uh, I can't tell you how grateful and how excited I am to bring you our next guest. Uh, she's the only person to ever open a Prince record other than Prince. She opens uh, Love Sexy, which is uh, so amazing. Uh, you guys also know her that she was uh, the lead um, uh, in Graffiti Bridge. Again, you know, one of my all-time favorite Prince projects. Um, she is somebody who has inspired me, who somebody who I have adored, um, and who hasn't really, you know, she's her own person. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously she had her experiences with Prince and, uh, and all that, but she is, she's her own person, man. And I, I can't tell you how excited I was to have a chance to, um, for us to be able to have a, just a great conversation and a, and she's got so much great stuff coming up and, she was at the symposium, and I can't wait for you guys to hear uh, her tell you all about that and everything she's got coming up and to hear that conversation and some of the music that we're going to play. So without any further ado, I bring you Ingrid Chavez. Hi, Roy. Hey, how are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Minneapolis, and I didn't let anyone know I was coming, and I went to all the different parties and events around celebration, which was a really cool experience because people didn't know I was coming. And so the fans were really excited and surprised. And I got to actually spend time with them where, you know, the people who went to celebration really only got to see um, some of the people that they came to see only at Paisley Park and either on panels or, you know, in the Southern environment where I got to just hang out with them right. at some of the parties and like I go to some of the um, performances of some of the artists who were um, doing shows around celebration and so yeah I got to have a really good time and do whatever I wanted to and go where I wanted to well, well yeah because a lot of love yeah well so you weren't there like I said in an official capacity so you could really enjoy it and that was kind of yeah. probably one of your was that one of your first experiences uh, like that with with like you know being around like kind of kind of the the, the prince kind of community in in a while yes it was actually um i went to a prn alumni event two years prior to the first event and it wasn't a fan event it was you know all the people who worked with him so that was a different experience it was um really amazing to get to reconnect with all these people that i got to know way back, you know, 25 years ago, but, or I guess I'm 30 years now. Yeah. But um, that was a different experience. Um, this was, um, a, like, a fan might see me in the distance and come up and be so, like, like in tears even that, you know, that they were in love with my character aura or um, that they loved my record or, or really... Um, my record really meant a lot to them, and so just to get to have that experience with people was really, it, it really was heart 
amazing. Well, I would have had the um, same. I would have had the same reaction. I mean, to be honest, like that's got to be so cool that you know somebody like you said going to the celebration, not obviously not knowing that you were there or expecting you uh, there, and being at some you know casual event and like is that Ingrid Chavez over there? Like. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, yeah. Now, did you meet anybody there uh, for the first time um, that's kind of from the Prince family and all that? Well, I got to meet Susanna um, Melbourne for the first time. Oh, wow, wow. And, um, yeah, because I did go to Paisley Park once to see Astalox, and I got to, um, you know, like, reconnect with Paul. And, um, but, yeah, and also... Um, no, I hung out with Matt Fink during the um, symposium, which was amazing to get to spend real time. You know, because back in the day, I didn't really get to spend time with some of these people. It was, right. We all knew each other, and you know, but now we get to spend time, like real time. And so, um, it was nice to connect with Paul and to um, to meet Susanna and um, who else? I think. She was she was the one that I sort of put it out into the universe. I want to meet this woman, and so we made it happen. <laughs> right, right. Well, I know our listeners would love to hear a little bit about your experience with with Susanna at the celebration. What did you guys talk about? Well, um, I went backstage, and I just um, we connected as women who. Who are, what are you doing now? Right. You know, like outside right. of, you know, like, you know, now we're all raising children or we've raised children. My children are adults now, but, um, she still has young children. And so just talking about it on that level and how to support each other, you know, um, in, as artists and as, um, people who have this, um, musical connection, even though, it's my first time meeting her. We have a connection. For we sure. have um, a mutual, you know, point. Um, and so, just how to how to support each other, you know, in this life as as um, human beings, as mothers, as artists, and so we had that conversation. And so, um, yeah. That's that that's great. wonderful because again, because like you said, even though you never met, there will always will be. Um, you know that connection, and and even outside of that connection, there's obviously a lot you know uh, you know in common in terms of like you said you know you're you know both mothers and uh, and that's just such a wonderful thing that you guys were able to kind of come together and uh, and have a discussion about support and 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 it seems like there was a lot of love there. Yeah, it was nice because she's obviously heard of me and I've heard of her, and it's um, all these years the first time we've met. And- now I want to meet Wendy and Lisa. <laughs> yes. Yes. But they're next. <laughs> oh, right, right. I was going to ask you if you had, uh, you know, the revolution uh, had started touring, uh, you know, last year. Um, and I was wondering if you had you had you seen have you seen the show yet? No, I, I haven't. I live in New Hampshire. And so um, I, I live in a country and I, I really Especially when I'm working on a record, I really do block out the world. And right. It's got to sort of, you know, um, kind of put myself in a bunker sort of thing and just focus on that. And so um, I haven't. And even if I, you know, knew that, even if I knew anyone was coming, it'd be a few hours to get to them right. you know, to see a show. So, um, 
Yeah, I haven't, but I am going to go see them, I think, in October, probably in New York and in Boston. I'm going to make up for last time. So. so you're going to see them in New York and where else? I think in Boston. Oh, cool! No, you no, you yeah, should. Yeah. Hey, I I I've caught multiple shows. We even got this. We got to spend New Year's Eve with them uh, uh, this past New Year's Eve. So that was, uh, um, and I think they are coming to New York. I think, like you said, in October or November. It's sometime around yeah, there. So that will be uh, that'll be a wonderful thing for uh, for you. And I'm sure they want to meet you too. So that's going to be really really cool. Um, do you remember? Um, to kind of let our listeners kind of know just a, a little bit about your, you know, obviously your introduction and, and uh, you know, would love sexy is that you wrote to Prince in 1987 and then he responded to you. Do you remember the, the very first words he ever said to you? Well, I, I only wrote him in a club. I passed him a note. So um, <clears throat> it was all immediate. But um, the, uh, the first thing he said to me was he asked me what my name was, you know, and um, just being playful, I told him that my name was Gertrude, and I asked him what his name was, and he said Dexter. So that was the beginning of our <laughs> friendship. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. That's uh, that's wonderful. And and of course, you guys started uh, uh, obviously started working together. You know, and what's so interesting to me too is that the impact to ever open a Prince record uh, besides him, um, and you actually performed uh, the intro of Love Sexy at the recent Love Sexy Symposium in Brooklyn. Is that the only time that's ever been performed? It, I did do it again in Paris, but it was after that. Um, and so that was the first time, and it's only ever been done twice. But, um, yeah. Oh, no, I did it at the London thing, too. Now, you know, now I'm doing these things, and people are like, let's open up with, you know. Right. So, um, but that was yeah, the first but time. That was, that was the first time, yeah. It was, um, uh, yeah. And- Rain is wet. And sugar is sweet. Clap your hands and stomp your feet. Everybody, everybody knows when love calls, you gotta go. bit because you were at the celebration and that's where you met D'Angela Duff which led you to being at the symposium correct yeah uh, again I was just going to events around celebration right and I went to um, Michael Dean's um, who did a like a meet and greet and he's someone else who does a podcast and so I went to that and that's where a lot of cool things happened because right. um, I, although I'd already met Jackie and had worked with Jackie for the first PRN alumni event, um, I started talking to Jackie and she, she, we came up with this idea that I would go to London and I would perform this song, You Gave Me Wings, um, in London. And then I met D'Angela and D'Angela was like, oh, we have this love sexy symposium. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great. There, you know, I'll go from, from New York and then just, stay in New York and go straight to London. And then um, I met uh, Stacia Lang, who um, we just have this this uh, natural um, love for birds and feathers and things. And so we started, um, we just connected. We, I think we had met before, but um, this was like the first time we really got to connect right. creatively. 
And so um, from that, she wound up designing this amazing dress for the performance in Paris, so, I mean, in London. So, so many things came out of that. And yes, meeting D'Angela, um, she's so cute. Oh my gosh, what a lovable lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, she invited me to the Love Sexy Symposium and she told me Kat was going to be there, Matt Fink. And I haven't seen Kat since way back in the day when um, I was, you know, working with Prince and the Love Sexy album was being was being recorded and stuff. So um that was that was gonna be an exciting um event to attend, yeah. What was what was that like for you? What was actually to, to be to be speaking those words again in, in front of an audience in that context, in that capacity? What do you remember feeling during that moment? I just remember um just going out there and just you know, taking a, a deep sort of breath and just remembering what it felt like and trying to reconnect with that moment in my life. And um, it was strong, you know, to... Okay, I, I need to um, just say that when I... Um, after after um, Love Sexy was released and then... We went through, and then the poetry album was released, and um, then I went through this whole um, thing with um, Lenny Kravitz with Justify My Love. I actually turned my back on music. I just felt like this isn't this isn't for me. I just, I'm just really not, you know, I, right. this is not what I got into it for. And so I turned my back on everything for at least 12 years. I didn't even, I didn't. I wasn't online, or we didn't even have anything like that back then. But, you know, I just really, I married David Sylvian, and I just started our family. Right. And so when I, when the children were older and I decided, you know, I, I think I'm ready to return to music, um, I opened up uh, um, a MySpace account. And I couldn't open it up under my name because a fan had opened up a MySpace account, which I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? What's happening? Like, right. who would try, who would impersonate me, you know? And this is how far removed I was from everything. I, when I finally got my name back on MySpace and, um, and was, it was like the real Ingrid Chavez, so many people start writing in and saying, your record got me through college or got me through a divorce or got me through, you know, um, heartache or or it it inspired me to become a musician. All these things started coming back to yeah. me and I was like, Wow, this record just took on a life of its own and because I had no idea what it was going on in the world with this record. Right. Um, so for me this is this was all like, you know, so overwhelming I couldn't even believe it. And so when I stepped onto the stage to do um you know, the rain is wet, sugar is sweet. It was like my heart was just so full of gratitude to know that um, that um, I had had these amazing experiences in life that um, that these people um, who were in love with Prince and who loved some of the things that I got to do with Prince, there was just so much love and gratitude there that um, to do it for the first time was uh, like, it was like giving back, you know, saying thank you. Thank you for well, all the love and support. 
Well, you know what's so great about that too is, it, like you said, you were you were reclaiming it. it, it I mean, it's yours, you know. Yeah. Uh, after all those mm-hmm. years, my background is actually. Uh, I know that we're talking today in a press capacity, but my my background is also in the music industry uh, for over, over twenty years. So I, I definitely can can relate to to. Um, you know, kind of needing to kind of get away from that and, and, and being able for you to be able to reclaim that, uh, for yourself, I think it's just gorgeous. I think it's wonderful. And I, and I, again, I watched it online and it was a very emotional moment for me personally. So, so bless you for doing that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, you know, one of the biggest revelations, you know, that I, that everybody was talking about at the symposium was the inspiration behind the song Anastasia. Yeah. So can you, can you kind of go a little deeper with that and talk, can I talk about the origins of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it really speaks of the night that Prince and I met. I mean, we were, I, um, I think it was Tuesday nights at this place called Williams Pub it was funk night or something like that. And so it was the place to be on Tuesday night. If you, if you wanted to go out and wanted to dance, you would go to um, Williams Pub. And so um, I showed up by myself. I was going to meet some friends there. And so I was by myself around the time that Prince arrived at the, at the club. And so um, he was sitting in a booth and I... I could see that he was watching me, and so I sat down at the bar, and I just um, got a, a napkin, and I wrote a note on the napkin, and I sent it to him, and I and at the, the end of the note, it just says, smile, I love it when you smile, and um, and so I gave it to him. I, I had some gifts, I think it was Gilbert, Gilbert was in, Gilbert gave it to him, and um, he asked me to come over. And so I did, and he had one of the. That was when he used to wear the the mirror hearts on his wrist. Right. And um, he took it off and put it on my wrist, and he asked me what my name was, and he said Ingrid. I mean, um, Gertrude. And then I asked him what his name was, and he said Dexter. And we talked for a little bit, and then he asked me if I wanted to to take a take a drive to um, Paisley Park, and I said okay. And so. Um, I sat in the front seat with Gilbert, and Prince sat in the back seat, and he asked me to put the, the mirror down. And, um, and the only way that I could see him was through the, the mirror. Like, he could see my eyes, and I could see his eyes. And um, so, and, you know, the story goes on, and it's been well documented already what happened that night. But that is the beginning, and that is what that song's referring to, is that night of him coming across coming, you know, like meeting me and us um, sort of going from there and and sharing um, our thoughts and our poetry with each other. Um, I mean, what a magical, what a magical, magical thing there. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, but you see what I mean, though, Ingrid? It's like you having, um, you have a, an amazing impact on people. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, uh, one thing, you know, uh, after that, of course, um, you guys, of course, you know, did, did the poetry record. Um, then 
um, well, actually, I'm sorry, like after you went from that to working on one and you kind of abandoned it for a while, but it was mm-hmm. some, at some point, this is when you were asked, of course, to be in Graffiti Bridge. Um, and what I wanted to ask you was, is have you seen Graffiti Bridge since the premiere in 1990? Well, I saw it for the very first time just this past, I mean, since the premiere for the very first time this past Mother's Day with my two daughters who had never seen it. Oh my God. Oh my God. What was, what, so. was, what <laughs> this is amazing. What was, what was their reaction to it? Well, my youngest one, which is 20, she really, I mean, she was so giggly and cute and, you know, she really didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> she was like, what's going on? I don't understand. Um, and I said, well, that was kind of the, the what most people were wondering <laughs> watching this, watching this film. But, um, and, um, you know, they were both, they were just so, they were both really sweet and, you know, like, oh, you look so pretty in this shot. And, you know, they it was just really sweet to watch it with them. And, um, for me, I've, um, because I'm not an actress and, um, it was my first experience for me, it was like, I was afraid to watch it again, but I'd be so critical that I'd be like, oh my God, oh, this right. and that, this and that. But actually when I watched it again, it was really a sweet experience. It was, I really enjoyed watching it. And um, to be watching it again for the first time with my daughters was really special. Oh my gosh, of course. And But I have to know, like, what, what prompted it? Were they the ones that were wanting to watch it? Was it you wanting to show it to them? I mean, how, how did that, how did the screening come about? I think because um, I um, am going through all this again. Like, people are asking about Graffiti Bridge and Love Sexy, and um, I don't know. I just felt like it was time. Yeah. It was time for me to revisit this movie. And um, but also because people are asking me so much about it, and I'm like, well, gosh, I haven't seen it so long. I really should um, go back and, you know, revisit it and just, you know, gather my feelings about how, you know, how I feel to see it now, how how did it feel back then to participate in it. And, um, you know, it was Craig Rice, who was one of the producers, he was the one who, you know, told Prince, like, you know, Ari is Ingo Chavez, and you should just go ahead and, like, yeah. you know, give her the part. And so um, that's when they auditioned me in. It's funny because when I was watching it, I was like, who else could have played that part? You know, because it was kind of part of the whole spirit child, you know, character. You know, well, you know, I've had many conversations about the about the film over the years. Uh, I'm a massive, massive fan of it. Um, And, you know, it was that's the thing I always go to. I always say. You know, I know that it kind of took a bit of a beating, you know, with the critics when it came out and all that. But I always say, who else could have played this? Like, this is, there's nobody else that could have played that role but you. And you were so spectacular that in this, that, I, I, and it hit me just at the right time. I was 16 when the film came out. Uh, and like I told you at the beginning of the call, it it, it really informed something with, with me. And I kind of got the spirit of, of, of who you were and that character and it, which led me to, to learn more about you and your art and your words. And it has stayed with me for, you know, for 28 years now. So, mm-hmm. 
it's such a wonderful thing. I would love, you know, for you to, you know, to, to picture you watching this with your daughters in this special mm-hmm. moment and having that moment of going, man, I, I did really well up there. Like, that's good. Like, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I can, I could see, you know, that this magic happened on screen and, um, you know, I, I'm actually, it's probably what keeps me, um, making new records and, um, continuing on as an artist is that I'm very critical of myself, very critical of my work. And, right. um, I still feel like, um, every time I finish something, I'm like, oh, still, still haven't, you know, I still feel what I like to say, undone. And so I, um, I keep creating and, you know, I think that that was one of the reasons why I was afraid to watch Graffiti Bridge because it did take a beating in the cinema and I'm like, well, you know, was it me or, you know, what, what happened? And so watching it again, I realized that there's just something really magical about that film that um, maybe people didn't get at the time, but, you know, people didn't get prints during that period. That's either. right. The whole love sexy and everything. And he was trying to, he was just being so like, like a, like an open, you know, he just opened his, ripped his heart open for everybody and right. just letting people in and, you know, with love sexy and then, you know, it was just a, an amazing period for him creatively that I got to be a part of. And so re watching it after all these years, I got to appreciate that a little bit more. Well, and like you said before, like whenever you were talking about uh, kind of discovering your fan base, whenever you discovered MySpace, uh, mm-hmm. isn't it fun and, and wonderful to learn that there are so many people out there that love Graffiti Bridge? And I'm certainly, mm-hmm. certainly among them. And you talked about, you know, still wanting to continue uh, to make music. And that brings me to the next part, because there's something very, very exciting coming. Uh, um, you have been working on a, a very special project for almost four years now um we're so excited to actually to bring uh our listeners uh and even myself uh uh to to hear some new music um uh, from ingrid chavez and i wanted you to talk a little bit about this project and uh and and you know a little bit about um you know who you worked with the inspiration behind it when people can expect to hear it all those good things yeah so um it's coming out in October because we've decided that um, I'm going to be in Minneapolis for a PRN alumni event in October. So we're teaming up with the PRN Alumni Foundation to uh, do an album launch party and, uh, you know, alongside some of the other events going on. And so we decided to move the release date a little bit further out just so that it could, I could be in my music home right. in Minneapolis and be among um, people who were there with me all these years. And so this, the album's called Memories of Flying. And um, the last album that I did was um, called Deep and Heading. It was in a band situation um, with Marco Valentin. Black Eskimo, right? Black Eskimo, yeah. Um, and so I decided this time that I was kind of ready to do another solo album. And this time I took a different approach. All the other, like the, the records previously have been, I picked a collaborator and we'll, you know, they'll do the music and I'll 
do all the, the melodies and the words and, you know, and I'm singing and talk or whatever I do. And it would be like a, you know, like a two-person collaboration. But this time I decided to take a different approach and work with different um, writers. And so um, over the past few years, I've been working with different um, producers and um, remixes on some of the Deep and Heady stuff. And so I, I reached out to some of those artists and um, decided to make a record with different collaborators. And so I think on this one, there's four or five different collaborators. Um, there's uh, Mashti, who is out of Denmark. There's right. Deep Dive Corporation out of Germany. Ganga, he's out of Denmark as well. And there's Charles Webster out of London. And Marco Valentin, who is uh, my collaborator with Black Eskimo. And so... The challenge with working with so many different um, collaborators was to find that common thread that would bring it all together. And, right. and that common thread is always going to be my voice and um, and the lyrics. So um, it works, and it makes it a very different record. And anybody who's followed my music, even if you go back to Skyfish or you know, Ova, or, you know, the record I made with Prince, or the one I made with my ex-husband, David Sylvian, or any solo record. Every record is different from the other one because I like working with different collaborators every time because I'm still trying to pull out different um, sides of myself. Right. And so the best way to do that, I think, is to um, work with different people every time. Because, you know... And so this one is different in that respect, and um, it's dealing with it's dealing with the the idea of um, of the freedom of flight and being weightless and free from gravity, but also um, it's dealing with themes of light, and so um, just what it feels like to open yourself up to um, love and light, and let yourself be loved and to love. And so um, there's, a, there's a real healing um, aspect to this record. And um, so that's, that's for starters. <laughs> yes. It's very, very, very exciting. Talk about the, uh, talk about there's going to be the, what is the first single from the record? The first single is uh, You Gave Me Wings, which is a song that I wrote the day that Prince passed. Um, so I was going to take a drive that day anyway and um, one of my collaborators Ganga had sent me a song and I when I write I I like my first impression I like to get when I'm driving and I'm not like thinking too hard about it but I'm just letting um, emotions and melodies flow naturally right and so I had just gotten this new puppy Suki with a little Frenchie and I was gonna just take a drive with her and um, and listen to this this piece of music. And so I stopped to get a cup of coffee for the route, for the road. And then I got a call from my friend Catherine. Um, and she, uh, said, asked me if I'd heard the news. And I said, what news? And she said, well, and I don't think it's real, but you know, and she told me what she'd heard about Princeton. Um, and before I even got off the phone, my, um, with her conversation, my phone just started blowing out with, Facebook and right. Twitter and instant message, like, and phone call. And, like, I was like, oh, my God, something is happening. Yeah. And that's when I realized, you know, 
um, that he was gone. Yeah. And I had this piece of music, and I, I just decided, you know, I'm I'm taking this drive, and I'm just gonna like see what happens with this piece of music. And so, I drove for about an hour and a half, wow. two hours before I stopped, and I stopped and um, just started writing. And this is this song you gave me wings is the the song that came out of that. Shine, shine, shine Oh, but here on earth 
love it when you smile. That was You Gave Me Wings. Uh, we're talking with Ingrid Chavez. Uh, that's going to be coming off of her new record. Uh, going to be coming out in October. Um, Ingrid, what a, what an amazing track. Um, you can just kind of feel the inspiration um, behind it. Do you do you remember, uh, the what was the last correspondence that you had with Prince? Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, it's way too long ago. Um, it was when I had just gotten married and I ran into him at a nightclub I think I, I wasn't with my husband at the time I was with some friends and um I saw him and, and I went and sat and talked to him for a little bit and I just told him you know that I had gotten married and we talked about that a little bit and then he wished me well and you know and that was it it was a fairly short conversation and um the sad thing about all this is that I was just getting ready to um, get back in contact with him because I, I really wanted to talk to him about, you know, maybe re-releasing the poetry album because so many people left that record and it was hard to get a hold of. And I was doing that and it was, I just felt like it was time. Right. Know? And it's a lesson that, you know, if, if there's someone you need to reconnect with, do it. Yeah. Do it before it's too late, you know. Yeah. And that's I mean, that really is because that's really the message there that, you know, if there's anybody you've been wanting to talk to and, and uh and for whatever reason have, have reservations for not, then this would be an inspiration to do so. And uh, you know, you, you talk about that poetry record, you know, it's still hard to find. I've I've been uh, Well, there is talk of a re release of it, so and a new ma- like a new mastering of it and so we're we're talking to um, some people about that now. So well, um Hopefully it'll be it'll be out. Well, that's some. Yeah. Well, that's some great, great, great news. I wanted to mention some other new music uh, that, that you made over the last couple of years. Um, we love your version uh, of Frosty the Snowman <laughs> so <laughs> so much that we have played it every year since you released it. On we do a I'm a I'm, I love Christmas and I'm a big Christmas person and so we do a special Christmas episode every December. And it has, we, we have played Frosty the Snowman every year since you put it out. We love it. That is so cute. <laughs> I wondered if anybody ever played that. Because, I mean, I that was one of my favorite um, Christmas songs growing up. And so um, I was working with Marco at the time. And Marco, you know, and I had that, like, down, that downbeat sort of, like, you know, yeah. laid back trip hop thing going, and so it's coming up on Christmas, and we're like, let's do a Christmas song. And of course, it's going to be like that one because it's one of my favorite ones. And so, yeah, we released that. Um, and I we did another one the next year, but it wasn't quite as uplifting. It was Venus in uh, December, not quite the uh, Christmas happy Christmas song, but <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's yeah, all. I would love to do another Christmas song. I'm, I'm, I, I. There are so many things I want to do, and there are not enough hours in the day for me to do them. Um, 
but there's but there's so much coming and and like i said this whole episode is is about being uh, you know, uplifted and, and, and a celebration of, of, of life and reclamation and, and freedom. And, and I want everybody to, to, you know, enjoy everything that we're, we're talking about here. And, and one thing also was that there, we're going to be playing a snippet <clears throat> with your permission of a song off the new record uh, called Light Rays. And that is, I just heard it right before, um, right, right before you and I started speaking and uh, God, it was like it was like seeing an old friend again. Um, it was very, very uplifting. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, Light Rages. Um, it was written for a friend who was going through a hard time, and I just wanted them to to know, you know, that there's this light in them, and that um, just to remember that, and that I see it, and. Um, it's, you know, a lot of songs that I write are to, are to someone or for someone or for myself. Um, I'm not really a storyteller in the sense of like, um, you, I'm, I have this melody and I just, you're thinking of some situation. All of my songs are, that's why the poetry album is, is like a, a journal entry because every song is so like, personal and in the moment of my life yeah. and um i'd like to think that um light rays um just speaks to just that light that we all have inside of us yeah you know? when the light shines in your eyes just the right way in the blue gray i can see your soul in its rays Beauty and sadness, too. I can see the whole of you shining through. Yeah, I can see the whole of you shining through. And it makes me wanna give you the There's a song uh, called Let the Healing Begin. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. Yeah, that um, that kind of speaks of my childhood a little bit. And um, about um, tomorrow, the, the line is that tomorrow is a new day. So um, let the healing begin. Like, And I was also inspired by a friend of mine, another friend of mine who... Um, whose marriage was falling apart and I just wanted to remind them that tomorrow it feels heavy today but there's always tomorrow tomorrow's a new day yeah. and just to let it let the healing begin let it you know just let it begin and I think and it's so such, yeah. go, go, no, no go ahead I'm sorry uh, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's just such a great message. Not only, um, obviously, you know, people are, obviously we're 
you know, still mourning Prince and, and you obviously wrote the song in the context, uh, you know, for, for a friend and, and wanted to heal them. And, and just, there's just so much, you know, craziness, uh, right now. And, and we, we, God, everybody needs, needs such a great voice and, a and like to be rested, to be reminded, like you, like you were saying, and I think this is such a, a great message, uh, that you're putting out into the world, um, to, like you said, to let the healing begin. And I just wanted to know what that meant for you. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's, I mean, my own childhood, you know, we all have scars, we all have um, parts of us that, you know, we still, but sometimes a little bit broken, and it's about realizing that um, you're worth, you're worth your weight in gold, you're worth it, and you're worth, you know, letting, letting yourself heal and to let go of whatever it is that you feel um, is attached to you. Energetically, or you know, or even if, like I said, you're losing a relationship, it's like you know, um, there's 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 going to be this love in the world that's going to come back to you, and you just got to keep your heart open. And so, yeah, and also this song was written um, because I didn't have a great relationship with my mother for many years, and. When I went down to see her after how many years of not seeing her, I was, once again, I had a piece of music that I was driving um, through Florida, and I put this music on, and that was where the um, the, um, the chorus came from. Wow. Let the healing begin, which was my own healing. So when I talk about, like, it's for me, too, and for my mother, and for my friend who was having, you know, trouble with his marriage or whatever, you know, right. it's, it's a universal, you know, thing. And that's why yeah. I'm so excited for people uh, to hear it. I'm excited to hear it. Um, and like you said, the album can be expected to be coming out uh, in October. It's going to be surround, yeah. uh, around the time of a, um, and you're going to do the release in Minneapolis, uh, like, yeah. you know, very appropriately. And you said that it's going to be around a, uh, around the foundation as well. Is that correct? Yeah, a PRN, Alumni uh, Foundation event. Um, yeah, so I don't know all the details of that, but that's the weekend of October the 12th. Okay. So, um, yeah. So if you can get to Minneapolis or you're in Minneapolis, I will see you all there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. In mid-October. Well, I am currently in Dallas, Texas, but I plan to be there uh, in October, and I couldn't be more more excited about it. When- oh, that would be amazing. Thank you, Ingrid, so much. One one last question. You said that a while ago how obviously there's only so many um, hours in the day, and gosh, I, I can relate to that as well, is looking to the future, obviously, you know, with, with this project and beyond. What are what are some ideas or dreams that you've had um, for certain projects that you would like to make a reality be, beyond the, the current project you're currently, you're currently about to release? Well, um, I... Still have a few more records in me. I do feel that. Um, But one that I would love to do, I would love to do a covers album. Um, It would be interesting just to um, do what I do and um, take some songs that I love through the years. And, you know, and I I would also almost love, like, uh, participation with fans. Like, what would you like to hear? Um, So that's one thing. But I do have a book inside of me, and it's about my life, and it's, um, it would be a very inspiring book only because I grew up in the South. I was 
little brown girl in a white world, like trying to, you know, find my way. And so that my life turned out the way that it did, the way, you know, um, having had these amazing experiences, met the people that I've met and had, you know, whether I affected them or they affected me, it's been, it's created this life that is a beautiful story. And the fact that I'm still, um, still exploring who I am and still sharing that um, through words and melodies, there is a book and I know that um, it's just, there'll be a day when I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop everything and I'm going to, write this book so that is something in the future there's also i think the obvious a lyric and poetry book which in photo book so that is in the future as well so well that's very very good news and very exciting and uh, like i said i know that there is so much in you and so much more to come and we all are so much looking forward to to hearing and seeing and and it's so good to talk with you ingrid i've been so looking forward to this today um like i like i told you at the beginning of the call like i said i kind of feel like i've been waiting on this call for about 28 years <laughs> oh, that's so sweet so i know that you and michael must have had a great conversation because i think that he you know fell in love with my record around the same age as you so yes um, yeah yeah so uh, about about 16 yeah about 16 years old and uh and like i said it just it, it never left and um it, it occurs to me almost every, like at least every other day, like I'll say things to my fiance and, and that she thinks are my isms. And I realized when I was telling her about, about our call today, I was like, you know what? That is actually not mine. It's actually, it's actually Ingrid's. And, and, uh, it's just, it's just so funny how much it occurs to me and what a, what a big part of my life that it's been. Um, oh, that's so, beautiful. so I, I can't, again, like I said, my, my gratitude for you today is, uh, immense. And uh, it's so good to to to, to hear your, all the great stuff that's coming. And again, to our listeners out there, October twelfth, get to Minneapolis, uh, get this record. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so amazing. There's so many great things. Um, like I said you heard the uh, the first single. Um, much 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 more to come uh, from Ingrid Chavez um, and onward and upward. Um, Ingrid, again, thank you so much for your light. Thank you for your inspiration. Uh, and then thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And I look forward to meeting you in Minneapolis then. Absolutely. It would be so great to be able to to, to say thank you uh, in person. And I'm so happy to know that that's going to happen very, 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 very soon. Hi, this is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed. And you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. Well, what a lovely person. And, and so inspiring. Just You can almost feel the way... Um, she is able to connect um, and inspire, um, and especially, you know, how she was able to do that with Prince. And it was really, really nice to hear her her talk, and and really nice to hear the the tracks that you had. Definitely, and and I'm like I said, I feel like I've been waiting on that phone call for like 28 years. You know what <laughs> I mean? Uh, she is somebody that just completely uh, just blew me away when I first heard her her words and her voice and her art and her and, and her magic and, and 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 all of that. And so I'm so grateful to Ingrid uh, for joining us. And you mentioned uh, about and you heard her talking about it about and you heard the songs um, coming in October be on you know get ready because it's coming and she's got a lot in her um and something we're so excited and so um 
just so grateful uh, that she was so generous to share with us um, uh, that you know besides of course the, the single that you that you just heard about um, you gave me wings and the story behind that was that there's gonna there's an album I'm sorry there's a song on the album called um, let the healing begin and you're gonna have to wait till the very end of the episode uh, so because I wanted you guys to it deserves to be the last thing that you hear it's so beautiful it's so amazing uh, you can take your own int- interpretation uh, of what that might mean. I know that she has her, her own version uh, in the context of of Prince. Um, that's exactly what um, you could you could find that as well, and uh, and that's what I, I want that to be. Um, I want it to be your own interpretation if you can apply it to Prince and how you're feeling. Um, I think that's wonderful. But again, so grateful uh, to Ingrid Chavez. Um, for joining us and so much coming. I can't wait for that, for that full record to come out. She is going to have a lot, a lot of great events, uh, actually starting, uh, I guess, as you said, in October there in Minnesota, um, there in Minneapolis, and it's going to be outstanding. Uh, there's actually a, a quite a, a few things coming up on the Prince calendar. Um, as you might've heard that the, uh, you know, the Prince estate, uh, is, releasing a lot of a lot of a lot of music uh apparently in september there's gonna be an album called uh piano and a microphone 1983 uh and it's set to be released like i said on september the 21st now princess estate has also has signed a deal with sony music entertainment to re-release a lot of the uh the the the, the older records um the first wave is going to be coming from legacy recordings and it covers the years from 1995 to 2010 so that's a 15 long years there. That means albums like The Gold Experience, uh, Emancipation, uh, The Rainbow Children, Planet Earth, uh, 3121, uh, and a bunch more will soon be getting uh, re-released, um, as well as Musicology. And I want to point out Musicology because this is so great. This is Jocelyn, this is so awesome. You know, I talk. I, I'm fortunate to be be part of the Prince community and uh, and the, the the fan community. And everybody has their favorite records and songs that mean to them. Literally from the beginning of his career in '78 all the way to the last records with hit hit and run phase one and two. Uh, but everybody's got that one record, and you know, and again, outside of the whole Purple Rain hysteria. It kind of tends to vary, but even that vary is still about three or four records total. Like, like if you were to poll a hundred people, it's and say, "What is your favorite Prince record?" It's usually going to be one of about four or five records. Why don't you tell our listeners what your favorite Prince record is? Oh well, my favorite Prince record is Musicology. And why is that? Um. Well, I. When I first discovered it, it's this was at the time where um, I don't think iTunes was really out or had most people didn't have direct access or easy access. Right, to Right, two thousand and four. Right, yeah. Yeah, so um, I actually was at a Virgin Records store just listening to a, a bunch of different um, albums that they had in stock at the store, and um, I was curious about Prince and wanted to get into listening to Prince and just got everything out of the um out of the shelf that I could and just started listening to all the albums and musicology was the one that I found most appealing 
See, I love that. I love that so much because it's so honest. It's so pure. You weren't influenced by anything else. Now, at that point, of course, you had heard of Purple Rain and 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 and, uh, and a few of the others. So, what made you not go directly to that or some of the other albums you'd heard? Like, like what what kept you from that? Well, of course, you know, I like to dig around for myself, and and we all, you know, know that those are the most popular songs and of course i've heard those on the radio right sure sure i wanted to get acquainted with more of what he had to offer and this definitely musicology had a different sound to it yeah for sure um and it was fun uh so it's it's part of my you know at home dance party mix (laughs) yes yes it's, and I love that because, you know, it's like it just goes to show you that every release is so important because that could be somebody's first exposure to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like a lot of times when people kind of, you know, when, when you go to a concert and people are tired of hearing the, the hits on the radio. Well, there's probably maybe a 12 year old or even a 22 year old or even a 42 year old or in the audience that has never seen that artist before. They've never heard that song live. And that's their favorite song. Or, you know, you can't imagine somebody's, like, favorite, you know, Kiss record being, like, that last one from three years ago. But I bet I bet it's somebody's. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, just a, a pure expression. And it's also, uh, that was his last major American tour uh, was for um, Musicology. I saw the tour about five times. It came to Dallas twice. It came to Houston. I think I saw it there, like, three times. And seems like I caught it a few different places uh, during yeah. that time but that was the that was the last major um, um, uh, tour period and certainly the last major major American tour that we uh, uh, that, that he did uh, I wanted to get uh, talking about um, you know getting back to the symposium um, our friend Casey St. Ange, she's a great uh, TV writer. She's funny as hell, super clever, awesome. Uh, I wanted to get her perspective um, as somebody. You know, we, we've we've spoken to D'Angela, who who put the whole thing on. We spoke to Ingrid, who was the the featured guest. Now let's talk to somebody that was there just as a fan. You know, just just a, a, a true fan that was there to enjoy it. We had a great conversation about it. I'm going to let her kind of kind of fill you in uh, on that. And like I said, in in the in the, in the uh, the terms of, of of fandom, we mentioned I said earlier uh, Julie McNamara uh, and Gail George, and they actually have collaborated on a song uh, called "Over You," and I'm going to play it for you right here, right now. It's a great, great track. I was so impressed. I've been listening to it. Um, since they they um, put it out, I believe it's on. Um, I believe it's on her uh, Bandcamp. If you guys want to be able to to get a copy of it for yourself here, yeah, just go to uh, go to uh, gelgeorge.bandcamp.com. Um, and yeah, pick up this track, man. This is so cool. Uh, again, this is uh, this is Gail George from New York. The song is called "Over You," and uh, great member of the Prince community. Uh, she collaborated again uh, with uh, with the lyrics and a few different things with uh, Julie McNamara. Uh, find them on Twitter, man. Um, they're on my page. We'll have links to them also at trickykid.com. But uh, but check out this track. <laughs> Yeah. 
drop a penny when I make a wish. I'd love to get to know you more. I think we could have something. Yeah, I think we could. Underneath that gorgeous smile. There's a heart that needs some, needs some, needs some good loving. I don't know what you want from me. I don't know where I stand. One day you're all over me. The next day I'm just a friend. I don't know what you want from me. I'm left without a clue. So watch out, baby. One day I'll be over you. track there yeah <laughs> kind of kind of funky with that bass line I like huh? that. <laughs> yeah you can tell it's somebody that's it's 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 got that spirit it's got that funk yes what was our first date babe uh parliament george clinton and parliament funkadelic that's right uh, that's right so you know that eyes likes the funk right <laughs> yeah. and we got and that was funky it was funky as hell right so now uh, I want to bring you again, Casey St. Ange. We had a great conversation. She attended the uh, the Love Sexy Symposium there in Brooklyn. Actually, he, he was constantly trying to blow people's minds. And like, if that cover didn't blow your mind, I don't know what would have. And, um, you know, for me, it was amazing, you know, and of yeah. course, like, 
I loved, it was sorry. For me, it was amazing. And I loved the controversy that, you know, I love that it made people's parents upset and that stores weren't going to, you know, you had to ask for it behind the counter or whatever. I think at at my local record shop because they weren't going to put that perverted album. An album in this way, it automatically struck everybody, like sort of pushed everybody off balance and how to receive it. And that's the ultimate statement. He's literally naked, you know, literally, figuratively, metaphorically, spiritually, celestially, whatever you want to say. But on the, so that's a pretty big statement of what you can expect is that is he's letting everybody in. He's being very, very open. And, and then he took it to, to such an extreme by the time we get to graffiti bridge, um, you know that I am a massive, massive fan of that. I know, I know, Graffiti Bridge took a a, a pretty big beating uh, with the with the critics back in the day, but it's taken on a life of its own, and I would be considered one of its biggest proponents uh, of of the, of that. I wanted to kind of get your take on Graffiti Bridge just real fast, if I could. Um, w- did you happen to see it when it came out at the time? Was it something you came to later? Where Where are you at with that? Yeah, no, I saw Graffiti Bridge. Um, I went to see it, and um, again, it was like one of those things that was kind of challenging because was it like a sequel to Purple Rain, which was incredibly meaningful to me personally. Um, and so I guess it it was just so different. It was kind of like the way, visually the way that it was shot was instead of like a... a a verite style, I guess. It was more, it was shot on a set, so it was more like a flat comic book. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it was obviously a set, and um, and it had a much campier feel to it, but I like that. You know, I, I like the camp, and I like the humor. It was, um, it was broader in terms of the jokes than, uh, than Purple Rain had been. Purple Rain had, and like, so even though at the time it was it was challenging for me because I still was a kid and I was like, oh, you know, I thought this was going to be more like Purple Rain, I still really appreciated it because, you know, just... The- uh, and, and, and I would love for you to get your feedback as well. We uh, did a... We did a... In our archives, um, uh, right after, unfortunately, whenever he had passed, we did a... We did four episodes per each decade. And... Uh, and proteges that he was developing and also making purple rain and also just being on fire, like internationally on fire. Yeah. And literally of of aura other than Ingrid Chavez agreed. Oh, agreed. Yeah. She was perfect. And he was just obviously very captivated by her. And so, yeah, so it was wonderful. So last question here, what was your, tell me, tell me your takeaway and your or your favorite moment or because you you started at the very beginning you talked about this this kind of this this prince community that was always there but it seems to buzz uh your favorite moment or just the overall takeaway from the love sexy symposium in terms of how you felt how it, it was produced how it was well how it was done uh your favorite moment your favorite memory from it what was what was the thing that you think that you left with the most my favorite moment, and I think, I mean, so many of the panels were amazing, and they're really still ringing through my head, like some of the some of the revelations that these really smart, I love that there are print 
scholars, you know, that yeah. are out there, like, really thinking about these things and writing about them. And so many of those, um, their revelations are just echoing in my head still. My favorite moment was probably the screening of the show on the first night. Um, the They, you know, did a showing of, of him doing the Love Sexy Tour right. um, live, and it was so funny because I had just watched it in my home like a couple of days earlier just coincidentally because I'll always throw something on so it was my second time watching it in in a short period of time so I really just enjoyed I was enjoying the music but I was also enjoying watching everyone around me and how they were enjoying it and it really was like it was a religious experience and for me like you know, I it would be impossible for me to rank my favorite era um, of Prince, but aesthetically, Love Sexy is my favorite era. I'm really into the clothes. I'm really into the choreography that he was doing with Cat Glover. Um, obviously, humor is very important to me, and he was funny as hell on that tour because he was really coming into his own as a performer, I think. And some of that shyness was gone and there was more confidence and, uh, he's leading this big band and he was able to like relax and be his regular funny self. He's very, very, very funny, which is another thing that always kept me coming back. So to see the intentionality of the outfit and what he was just everything that he was doing. Like now that I'm a grown up, especially I'm like, okay, he's giving me Mozart here. And, and like, and at the love sexy symposium, cat was sitting in the back of the auditorium and she was cutting up and I couldn't hear exactly what she was saying, but I could hear people laughing and laughing. So I can only imagine <laughs> what she was, what she was telling people about like what, you know, her impressions of, what she remembered from from that and so that was like my that was that was my favorite moment and also there's something about if you get the opportunity to see a live performance on a bigger screen i know it's so weird but just something about seeing it on like seeing it kind of life size and with people and 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 with a and i think i believe even ingrid said the same thing uh their favorite moment of the symposium was was watching that together uh, and just like you said, just that feeling of community. And then apparently, again, Cat Glover apparently was having some running commentary to the whole time that just it's kind of like this live kind of, you know, like that, that extra commentary track on the on like on a Blu-ray or something. Uh, you were getting it yes. live. Uh, so uh, I'm still glad that you got to experience that firsthand. And, and and again, I thank you so much for joining us this week, Casey. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Casey, C-A-I-S-S-I-E. Um, I am going to, I'm moving to Los Angeles to be an executive producer of a new television show this fall called Busy Tonight. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm very excited about that. And uh, yeah, you can just check me out on Twitter and see what I'm up to and what I'm writing and hopefully I'll make you laugh and yeah. 
Well, you make me laugh all the time, Casey. I think you're awesome. And again, everybody, check out Casey online. Check out what she's involved in. She's a an amazing member of the Prince community. Uh, again, uh, a very witty, talented uh, writer and producer of television. We'll look forward to seeing that new show. Um, good luck in good luck in Los Angeles. Uh, Thank and you. Casey, we would love to have you back on sometime soon. Anytime. This was my honor and my pleasure, and it was so nice to talk to you, Roy. Uh, absolutely. Hey, this is Megan Dalby. You can catch me in Edge of the World, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Again, I want to thank Casey St. Angel. I want to thank all of our guests uh, this week. Uh, you know, such a special, it's so meaningful to me uh, to celebrate. I want to say happy birthday to Prince, the, the 60th. Uh, and happy birthday to Love Sexy turning 30. Uh, such major milestones there. I um, Again, it's been such a, a great uh, great time putting this together. Um, I purposely, like I said, put it out a month after the fact because I just kind of wanted to be able to kind of catch my breath and collect um, my thoughts and be able to bring you this. Uh, we agonized long and hard uh, to... Uh, and some of the guests that we that we missed this time, we definitely will have them on eventually. But we want to thank you guys for joining us. Again, thanks so much to D'Angela Duff. Um, can't say enough nice things about her. And my goodness, Ingrid Chavez. Look at all the great goodness coming, and uh, from her, just what a what a magical magical being. Casey Saint Ange, want to thank her again uh, for joining us. Uh, so generous with her time to be able to join us. And again, there's a lot more coming. Um, like I said, you heard you heard from Ingrid. Uh, you heard that D'Angelo is already planning next year's event, which I'm sure that uh, uh, that Casey will be at, and we, and we should be too, Jossie. That would be great. I mean, especially because we missed this last one and it sounded so interesting. Yeah. I would love that. We should go. I would love that. And and again, she's gonna. I think she's going to do it like in order. I think it's probably going to be on the 89 stuff, which would be, uh, you know, Batman and a lot of different interesting stuff that you don't hear too much about. Um, that hasn't. It's kind of an under-documented period in the Prince uh, uh, lexicon there. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, those, those re-releases coming out... Um, it also says that uh, uh, I also was hearing that there's a lot of previously, you know, released singles and B-sides and stuff, whatever. Uh, in 2021, the re-release plan is going to cover these the non-soundtrack catalog albums, which would mean, of course, not Purple Rain, not Under the Cherry Moon, not Graffiti Bridge, uh, released between 78 and 96. Um, and this is, of course, is all in addition to this kind of ongoing plan to kind of break open his vaults and and see what sticks there um but that means like you know he even said it you know when he was alive that uh, he's written so much music that there will be new prince records out uh you know a hundred years uh after the fact and it just goes to show you um his prolificness his genius um his brilliance uh and uh, we want to say happy birthday to prince uh Jossie, any uh, uh, final thoughts here before we... um... Final thoughts? Happy birthday, Prince. Thank you for all the wonderful music and uh, the soulful times. (laughs) All the great times uh, and all the great memories. And like I said, more to come. Like I said, the prolificness continues. Uh, And as promised, uh, like I said, we're still not done with the music. Um, 
you know, it's been two years since we lost Prince. And again, this is this show is a, is a celebration of, of, of life and his life and and positivity and onward and upward in this and, and to continue his legacy and sharing great stories and all the fans coming together. Because as Wendy uh, Melvoin said, you know, we're a worthy encore. It's up to us now uh, to keep this thing rocking and then everybody coming together at things like the celebration events like what D'Angela Duff is involved in and her symposium. You can do it too. Put put together something. You know, we're the encore. It's up to us. And as I mentioned, Ingrid Chavez's new record uh, has a song called "Let the Healing Begin," and it, it could take on a lot of many many contexts. But I know that a lot of us are. It's still hard to believe. It's still hard to imagine um, that this that this this entity this uh, this this presence that has been in my life since I could practically walk and talk that has been with me every single day and and will always be with me um, isn't uh, currently here on this uh, plane of existence. So um, I know some people are still, you know, uh, having trouble with that. I still kind of struggle with with, with myself. So I'm going to play you a snippet. And we're so happy to bring this to you. And, and, and again, Ingrid was so generous to share it with us. This is a, this is a snippet of a track uh, called Let the Healing Begin. And that's what we want this show, we want this song uh, to do. Let the healing begin. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's all come together. Um, let's continue his legacy. Uh, let's dance. Let's be happy. Um, and let's all just... Uh, you know, continue the legacy uh, of the great Prince Rogers Nelson. Again, happy birthday, Prince. Thanks again to all my guests. Uh, remember, you can find us, uh, of course, on Twitter, all the social medias, uh, trickykid.com. Make sure you go. There's going to be pictures and links of everything we've been talking about. Thanks again uh, to all of my guests. Jossie, thanks again. So for I know that eight and a half months pregnant, um, isn't easy and uh, and I love you and uh, and I know that uh, um, you know again it's you got your own thing going so thank you for taking the time out today and and doing this well you know I love hanging out with you and I love doing this podcast with you it's a lot of fun so thanks for having me again and I love you I love you sweetie Uh, this is let the healing begin and let it do exactly that Again, thank you for joining us, uh, and we'll see you next week.